I bring you greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every great path straight. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In this broadcast, we shall be looking at how to make silver sterling under the topic, the dross of silver. Now, you may be wondering why this topic, but basically what we want to do is to use this topic as the epilogue on the theme we've been looking at, repentance from dead works. But before we get into our broadcast for today, let's do a quick review of what we discussed last week. We looked at repentance from dead works by definition, and we defined it as a turning away from engaging in acts and activities that God does not or did not authorize, did not approve, did not initiate, did not inspire, neither is he engaged in its implementation, and a turning to engaging in acts and activities that God has approved, has authorized, has initiated, inspired, and is involved in its implementation. Now, that being the case, the question we now ask was, how do we get into repentance in practical terms? We cited the case of John the Baptist, who, when people came to his baptism, warned them and told them that they should bring forth fruit made for repentance meaning that repentance is observable, is tangible, is significant, and can be seen when somebody's life has changed. It's not something that we just say. It's something that we can observe. True repentance has the evidence of a changed life. So the question is, if I have repented from dead works, what are the things I should expect to see? What is the practicality of the repentance from dead works? We noted that, number one, you must know that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Master. Is the one that you listen to. You cannot listen to any other and lay claim to have repented from dead works. Because if you listen to any other except the Lord Jesus Christ, you will continually engage in dead works. Then we noted also that you must put off the old man in order to put on the new man. The new man is not going to come on until the old man has been put off. So it is important that we recognize that if we are to say that we have truly repented from doing dead works, the old nature that loves to sin, the old nature that loves to engage in dead works must be removed completely, must die, must be put off. And the new nature which is created in Christ in holiness and true righteousness must be put on. We also noted that we must seek to hear from God. In hearing from God, we know what it is that God wants us to do so that we might please him and be pleasing to him. So we cannot say that we have repented from dead works when we are not able to hear from God. We must get into hearing from God. Another thing that we noted is that we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is only when we are filled with the Holy Spirit that we can do good works. It is the filling of the Holy Spirit that makes us to do good works. The Bible says concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God will be with you as long as you are doing good works, as long as you have the Spirit of God in you and you are filled with him. Now, the next thing also that we noted is that it is not just enough to say that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. There must be intimacy. We must know him intimately. We must have that relationship with the Holy Spirit. The things that stop us from having that relationship with the Holy Spirit are the flesh, the passions, and the affections, our desires, unless they are crucified. We cannot have that relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is important that our intimacy with the Holy Spirit is intact at all times. We also noted that we must continually look unto the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, so that we can act like he acted. We need to ask the question, what would Jesus do in every circumstance? 
as we look at the word of God, we see how the Lord Jesus Christ responded to things. We noted finally that we must be totally obedient and submissive to God and his word through the Holy Spirit. All these we said to be able to live this life of good works can only be possible when the Holy Spirit does the second work of grace in our lives, what we call sanctification. We are saints once we become born again, but we are saints by the declaration of God. We are now made saints by the Holy Spirit. The work of sanctification brings us to be made saints. We are declared saints when we got born again, but now we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and he does his work of sanctification and makes us to become saints. And then, as a result, we can now live the life of a saint. Sanctification is the process whereby we are purged, purified, prepared, perfected to do good works. Without sanctification, we cannot do good works. It is that work that God allows the Holy Spirit to come and do in our lives when he comes in. Let's go straight on to discussing the dross of silver. Let's begin by looking at a few passages of scripture that will let us into what the dross of silver is. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 4 and verse 5. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 4 and verse 5. The Bible says, Take away the dross from silver, and it will go to the silversmith for jewelry. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Proverbs is basically Hebrew poetry, where something is said in one verse, and it is repeated in another verse. And what is said in the first verse and the second verse have a similarity. So based on that, dross to silver is like wickedness before a king. And then it says, when you take away the dross from silver, it will go to the silversmith for jewelry. And in verse it says, if you take away the wicked from before the king, his throne will be established in righteousness. Essentially, silver is worth its value only when dross has been removed from it. Just like the throne is worth its value in righteousness when wicked men are withdrawn or taken away from before the king. When you have removed dross from the silver, that is the only time silver is fit to be sent to the silversmith who is the craftsman that works out the silver from which we can get jewelry, trinkets, commemorative coins, vessels made of silver, and so on and so forth. But as long as there's the dross of silver in silver, it doesn't have that kind of value. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 25 and verse 26, I read, this is God speaking, I will turn my hand against you, that is against Israel, and thoroughly purge away your dross, and take away all your alloy. I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. What is God saying here? He says, I will remove the dross from the nation. I will take away, I will purge them and remove the dross from the nation and take away all the alloy. The dross of silver are metals that have alloy. They have tied themselves together with silver. They are tied up with silver. And as long as they are tied up with silver, nothing good can happen. He now says that I'm going to remove this dross. Like we said earlier, we saw that wicked people around the king are like dross. So dross is the wickedness that is tying the silver, not allowing silver to shine. But when this dross has been removed, then suddenly you will see justice. You will see equity. You will see true judgment. You will see counselors. You will be called a righteous city. The Bible says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. As long as there is the dross, 
this wickedness, this evil in the nation, the nation will be in reproach. But remove the dross from the nation and the nation becomes righteous. In the same way, remove the dross from silver and silver becomes sterling. The dross of silver, like the Bible says, is the alloy of metals that are around silver that have locked themselves in with silver in the ore of silver. Also, the dross of silver is what makes silver impure. If you remove the dross of silver, silver becomes pure. And the dross also makes silver unusable. No silversmith wants to work with silver that has not been purified because it makes nonsense of his work. The character of silver for the silversmith is not going to be fully available to it in the working of silver. And so no silversmith wants to work with silver until the dross of silver has been removed. So as long as the dross of silver is in silver, it is of no value to the silversmith. Indeed, the silversmith can do nothing with it. So what really is the dross of silver? What are the alloys? that are in silver. In Ezekiel chapter 22, from verse 18 to verse 22 or so, we see the Bible tell us about the things that make up the dross of silver. This is God speaking to Ezekiel. He says, Son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. They are all bronze. These are the dross of silver now. They are all bronze, tin, iron, and lead. In the midst of a furnace, they have become dross from silver. Therefore, Thus says the Lord God, because you have all become dross, therefore behold, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem. As men gather silver, bronze, iron, lead, and tin into the midst of a furnace to blow fire on it, to melt it, so I will gather you in my anger and in my fury, and I will leave you there and melt you. Yes, I will gather you and blow on you with the fire of my wrath, and you shall be melted in its midst. As silver is melted in the midst of a furnace, so shall you be melted in its midst. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury on you. Now, the dross of silver, when you look at it, you'll be amazed. Bronze, tin, iron, lead. These are useful metals. On their own, they are good for various purposes. Bronze is an alloy of copper and tin. Usually, an alloy has a different property from the different metals that come together, and they are better than each of the metals individually. And bronze is a very good metal. However, in spite of the goodness of these metals, they are the things that make silver to be dull and dense. They are the things that do not allow the fullness, the true value of silver to come forth. The brightness, the brilliance of silver is dulled by these metals in the silver ore. And so it is important that these metals, these drawers of silver must be removed. Now, if we bring this to our discussion on the repentance from dead works, the dross of silver is the nature that is in man, the old man that is in the believer that does not allow the believer to shine forth in good works. And so the dross must be removed. If it is not removed, the believer is just at best a churchgoer. That's all he is. But is of no value to the silversmith. He cannot be useful. He cannot be used for anything that is of value to Almighty God. Silver only becomes useful after these metals, the dross, have been removed. So if we are going to engage in good works, we must remove the dross of silver.
In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, God speaking to Israel through Malachi says as follows, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner, and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. Then they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. The refiner of silver is here referred to prophetically as the Lord Jesus Christ. He says he will sit the way the refiner of silver sits. Let me tell you a little bit about the refiner of silver, what it does. When they get the ore of silver after removing the dirt and all the things, they, does the, the, the earth around it, they put it in a crucible. It's not a big vat, just a crucible with a tongue. And they continually heat up. That's why it's called the furnace. The heat is very high. He places it over the flame and allows the flame to walk on what is inside the crucible. The first thing the flame does is to melt it down. Now, while it is melted, it now begins to bubble up the impurities that's how they are removed. He skims them off. Some of them bubble away as gaseous substance. He scoops them away, removing until what he has left is silver, pure silver. Now, how does he know that what he has left is pure silver? He withdraws the silver from the furnace from time to time and takes a look at it. Once he can see his image in the molten silver, he knows that he now has pure silver. At that point in time, he withdraws the silver from the furnace and pours it into the mold that he has for it. And now he can, as a silversmith, work that silver into whatever it is that he wants. Is it a commemorative coin? He works it there. Is it trinket or chain or bangle, an amulet or something? He works it. Is it a shield? He works it into it. Or a vessel, a cup? He works into it. Now, the thing about pure silver is that it doesn't rust. It's not defiled. No matter how long you keep it, it retains its shine. But when you have any of these impurities in silver, it will rust. So if you have any silver ornament that is rusting, you know that you don't have pure silver. Pure silver does not rust no matter what. Wherever you keep it, that's where it is. You may just remove dust from it. You don't need anything to shine it. It's already shining. That is the beauty of silver, pure silver. It shines. So the work of the silversmith in purifying silver is a painstaking and back aching work at the furnace. Not to talk of the heat that comes, but he is willing to endure all of that to get the best that he can get from the silver. So he walks at it. He walks at it. The Lord Jesus Christ, that's what he's saying, that the Lord Jesus Christ is that silversmith who will purify the sons of Levi, the believer, you and I. A lot of us think that once I'm born again, that's it. No, being born again is just the first work of grace. The second work of grace must be done by the Spirit of God in our lives. The Lord Jesus walking by the Holy Spirit in our lives comes as a purifier of silver, a refiner of silver. He applies all the pressure, all the heat that needs to be applied to separate wickedness and evil from us, to detach us from those things that will not allow us to live as children of God. He comes to remove the entanglement and separate us from those things. That is the work of sanctification. Sanctification comes to remove the impurities in our lives. He comes to purge us, to purify us, 
and then prepare us and perfect us to begin to do good works. So it is not enough to say I'm born again. You need to go through the second phase, which is sanctification. And sanctification brings us out from engaging in dead works onto good works. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the Bible tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's what scripture does. It brings us to the place of righteousness through doctrine, through correction, through reproof. When we do something wrong, we are rebuked and reproved. We then receive instruction in righteousness. Look at verse 17. It says that the man of God, the man of God is not the pastor. The man of God is anybody that is a child of the living God. That the man of God may be complete, that is perfect, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is why the dross of silver must be removed so that we can shine forth. Every one of us that's born again, we were like silver ore dug out from the pits with all kinds of impurities in our lives. There's not one of us that can say that I'm okay. The Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 3. It says all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one, not one. So we all came with the sin of Adam and we added our own sins over time. And these sins have been entangled in our lives. So what does God do? He now brings us into that crucible and begins to purge us, begins to purify us. Sometimes you will experience that shortly after you got born again, you are facing the most severe persecution as it were, the most severe challenges of life. And you are wondering, but I didn't have this when I got born again. Some of those messages that they told you that when you give your life to Christ, everything will be okay. Some of those things are not quite true. Everything will be okay spiritually, but physically no way because the work of sanctification must take place. These things are now going to be withdrawn from your life. And these are things that you used to like. It's like an addict. By the time the addict wants to stop doing those things, he's going to go into a phase of remission, as it were. He will feel pains. He will feel pangs. In fact, he'll be upset. Why? Because it's what they call withdrawal syndrome. So as the Lord is withdrawing those things that we used to do, that we like to do, you know, before we got born again, we didn't wait to hear anybody speak to us. We did what we like to do. But now that you're born again and you're going through sanctification, you'll see the Lord withdrawing things from you, getting you to do the things that he wants you to do, making you to understand that henceforth you live by instruction, not by your whims, but by what he tells you. And many of us are struggling with those things. As he does that, a time will come when you will be like him. At that point in time, the challenges will suddenly ease off. Why? He has withdrawn the crucible because he has now seen his image in the silver. He has seen his image in you. He withdraws it. And this is what we call the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the tangible presence of God in our lives through the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, and 30 says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God said, anybody that I'm going to bring in must be conformed to the image of the son. To be conformed to the image of the son, you now have to go through the refining process of silver. You have to be purged. You have to be purified. The dross must be removed from you. The old man must be crucified. Its passions and affections must be removed. Those ambitions, those life ambitions that you had before you got born again must be extricated from our lives. It's not going to be easy. We are going to struggle. We are going to complain. We are going to feel the pain, the savings that you had for some projects. You may discover that God will tell you, like he told the young rich ruler, he said, take it and go and spread it out. Go and give the poor and then come and follow me. Those are painful things. 
That's the silver going through the crucible and the dross of silver being removed. Wealth can be good, but God wants to remove the love of money from your life. Pride, the attitude of saying, do you know who I am? He wants to remove it. Everything to bring you to the place of humility, to bring you to the place of holiness, to bring you to the place of charity, to bring you to the place where you will go through tribulations without grumbling, without murmuring, without complaining. It is at that point that you are now conformed to the image of Christ, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So you are now looking like the firstborn. You are looking like your senior brother. In verse 30, it says, moreover, whom he predestined, these also he called. Whom he called, these also he justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So there's justification, there's glorification, there's sanctification. You cannot be glorified without being sanctified. Whatever glory you have, if you are not sanctified, is not of God. It's actually shame. It's not glory. So as the silversmith is sitting down to remove impurities, sometimes he does this over and over and over and over again. He has to finish that work in one day, the one in the crucible. He does over and over again. He keeps bringing out. He checks to see whether he can see his image. He puts it back again for the thing to bubble up. He brings it again to see whether he can see his image. He keeps doing this over and after a while, he says, what is going on? Nothing is happening. Let me read something to you. Jeremiah chapter 6. And then you'll understand when we give the conclusion on what the silversmith then does to this silver ore that he cannot see his image in. Jeremiah 6 verse 29 and 30. Let me read from verse 27. I have set you as an assayer and a fortress among my people that you may know and test their way. Speaking to Jeremiah, he says, they are all stubborn rebels. Speaking about his people. You could liken that to the church. You can liken that to Christians. They are all stubborn rebels, walking as slanderers. They are bronze and iron. They are all corruptors. Remember we said that these metals, they are the things that remove the shine from silver. So bronze and iron, as good as they are, they are corruptors. They are evil as far as the silver is concerned. They are evil as far as the work of God is concerned. So they must be removed. He says the bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. The smelter refines in vain. He is trying to refine the silver. But the silver is not going. Why? Because stubbornness is there. It is attached. It's locked in with the silver. It's not allowing the silver to be free. He says for the wicked are not drawn off. Remember what we said about the dross of silver. It's evil, wickedness. Says the wicked, you cannot separate wickedness from that man. It's as if he was born with wickedness. Even though he says he's born again, it has not left him. Evil is still in him. Craft, cunningness is still in him. Adultery, fornication is still in him. He says people will call them rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. Back to what I was now saying about silver. When the silversmith puts the silver back on the furnace and brings it out, he checks for his image, he doesn't see, he does it over and over again. After a while, he will toss it away. It's called reprobate silver. A reject, unpurifiable, unusable. That's what it is. He tosses it over his shoulder. And that's what the Bible is saying here. God is saying here that like that silversmith will reject the silver. That's how I reject these people. Why? They do not want me to remove wickedness from their lives. They don't want me to remove wickedness from their midst. They love it. They are entangled with wickedness. They are entangled with evil, entangled with idolatry, entangled with adultery, with fornication. They don't want to get it out of their system. Entangled with sorcery, seduction, and the like. I have tried everything through the furnace to get those things out of them, but they will not let it. Therefore, rejected, reprobate. This is the challenge when we say we are talking of repentance from dead works. No matter how much we speak on repentance from dead works, if the dross is still there, that fellow will not be able to do good works. He will keep doing dead works. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul wrote, 
He says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified or reprobate or rejected. He said, I discipline my body. You must be disciplined. He said, I bring my body under subjection. You must be brought under subjection to the Holy Spirit. You must do it yourself. So whatever he tells you to do, do it. If you don't do that, he says, lest I myself should become disqualified after I have preached. So it is possible to preach. It's possible to teach and still be disqualified, still be considered reprobate. Why? The fellow has not allowed the Lord through his testing, his discipline, his furnace to remove these dead works from his life. And because silver that is not pure cannot be used by God or useful to God, he is rejected. He is disqualified. He is discarded. He is reprobate. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, from verse 20, the Bible says, But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, iniquity, evil, and so on and so forth, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. If you are going to be useful to God, sanctified, prepared, perfected for every good work, then sanctification must take place in your life. The dross must be removed from your life. It must be taken away. You must be ready to bring yourself under subjection to the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you are going to have difficulties living for God. You will not be able to live for God. You will not be able to live as God wants you to live. You will be living a different life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, again, Paul writes, examine yourselves. As to whether you are in the faith. Do a personal examination. That's what we want to bring you to do today. Examine yourselves. Are you in the faith? Or are you just going to church? When we talk of being in the faith. We are saying that you are trusting in God. No matter what. You are not trusting in your own ideas. Or in your own opinion. Test yourselves. Prove yourselves. Do an exam. Look at the word of God. And look at your life. I read an article some time back. It was written by a pastor. And he said that his first encounter with Muslims was when he went to do NYC, somewhere in the north. That's when he learned the Quran. And he discovered something, that as he read the Quran, he could see what the Quran was saying in the people who practiced it. He said, then he wondered, how come we don't see Christ in Christians? This is the challenge. Christ cannot be in you when you have not been purified, when you have not been purged or you have been purified you have been purged but iniquity rebinds itself to you and refuses to leave you and you refuse to leave it you become reprobate of no use to god the lord jesus christ said salt is good salt is good for seasoning is good to make food sweet and so on and so forth he said but when salt has lost its saltiness or its saltness he says it is good for nothing they throw it onto the streets and trample upon it why it's of no use that is what reprobate silver is. It's of no use. The Bible tells us in the days of Solomon that silver was being picked on the street. Actually, that was reprobate silver they were picking. It wasn't the silver that you could spend. The true silver was in the palace, was in the temple. It was from that silver that they made shields, that they made vessels that Nebuchadnezzar later came and took away. Not the reprobate silver. Reprobate silver was all over the place. It was on the street because they were tossing the impure ones. It's like today. There are Christians everywhere. Enter any nook and cranny, everybody's a Christian. But when you look at them, there are a lot of them are reprobate. 
they are stealing, they are committing fornication, adultery. Some of them even say they are, they are gay and yet they say they are Christians. Some of them are practicing sorcery, manipulation, lying, deception, accusing the brethren and all kinds of works of the flesh. And yet they say they are Christians. They are reprobate. They are all over the place. Like silver was picked on the street in the days of Solomon, but it had no value. The Christianity of many Christians today has no value. We cannot put any one of them to the test and say, yes, this is a Christian. There are those who are standing firm as children of the living God, obviously. But there are those who are just an embarrassment to Almighty God and to Christianity as a whole. Because we do not see Christ in them. Christ can be formed in us through this process of sanctification. If it doesn't take place, we will continue to engage in dead works. It goes on. It says, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified or you are reprobate. If Christ is not in you, if Christ cannot be formed in you, then you are reprobate, discarded, disqualified, rejected, unusable, unpurifiable. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Prove your own self. Are you reprobate or are you approved? Are you sterling or are you reprobate, rejected? You see, one of the interesting things about silver is that silver cannot be corrupted. It cannot be defined and it doesn't fade. Once you get that pure silver, it stays like that. And that is what God is doing in each of our lives to bring us to the place where we are pure silver, where our value is what he wants it to be. Silver ore has what we call potential value because we believe that we can get pure silver from it. So it has a potential value. But when you pass it through the crucible, and you try to remove the impurities, and it continues to be impure, it loses that value. So the man who invested in that silver ore has lost some money because what he's getting, he is of no use. He cannot be used by the silversmith. He can't make a commemorative coin out of it. He can't make a vessel out of it. He can't make spears. He can't make shields out of it. He can't make trinket out of it because whatever he has, if he even were to make anything, it will begin to rust. It will begin to show decay. So he can't use it. He has lost that investment. Many of us, God is doing a work in our lives. And he doesn't want to lose his investment. It reminds me of the parable that the Lord Jesus Christ told of the vine owner who had a vineyard. But then he went and brought fig seed and planted a fig tree in the middle of the garden. Why? He wanted to eat figs. Then after three years, he goes and says, this thing is not producing. So he turns to the vine dresser and says, cut it down. The vine dresser says to him, sir, let me dung around it. Let me do what I can do. Perhaps it will produce. Come back by this time next year. If it bears fruit, well, if it doesn't, do whatever you want to do at that point in time. For many of us, that's where we are at. We are having an opportunity to be walked upon by the Spirit of God. Because God says, I've been coming, looking for good works from these people. I can't find any. Jesus says, give me some time. Let me purge them a little bit more and see whether we can disentangle them from the evil and the wickedness that has bound itself to them. After I've tried, if you come again and you look and you don't see the image of your son in them, well, do whatever you want to do. Brethren, only sterling can do good deeds. Only sterling can do good deeds. The silversmith can only use sterling. He can't use any other. He can't manage. Some people think that God can manage. You know, there's a song that says, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. It's true. God can use anything. However, that anything must first of all be purged and purified. So yes, we come as anything, but we're not going to remain as anything. God has to now purge us and make us useful in his hands, sanctified, fit for the master's use. 
a vessel unto honor. Remember, the vessel can be a vessel unto dishonor. So silver can be unto dishonor when it is reprobate. When you see reprobate silver, they can make what they call panda out of it. They can make dustbin, refuse bin out of it. It can be put to some use, but it's not going to be unto honor, to be unto dishonor. And the Bible says, if we can be purged for this evil, we will be vessels unto honor. My prayer is that we shall all get to the place where we will be vessels unto honor and not vessels of dishonor. If we continue to do dead works, then we are sadly reprobate, rejects, rejected, disqualified, unusable for anything honorable. So I want to plead with us as we draw the curtain on repentance from dead works. Let us return to God. Let us change our ways. Let us submit to the dealings of the Holy Spirit. Allow him to do his work. Allow him to do the donging. Allow him to purge us, to purify us, to remove those things. There are things that God wants to remove from our lives. Let's allow him to do those things so that we can now be approved as fit for the master's use. Usable, fit for every good work. That is the goal. The goal of Christianity is that you are going to be fit for every good work. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11, it says that God gave pastors, prophets, evangelists, apostles, and so on and so forth, from 11 verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These people are there. The ministers of God are there to teach us to encourage us to go through the furnace so that we can do good work. We can serve God acceptably. We can be pleasing to God. When we are not pleasing to God, we become reprobate. We become rejected. I want to appeal to us to seek the face of God. Use this time to cry to God. Use this time to seek the Lord. Lord, remove every impurity from my life. Let nothing be bound to me. Break the grip of these things from my life and throw them away. Free me from every satanic oppression. Free me from everything that is binding itself to me that is not of you. Cut those things off from my life. Purge me. Crucify the flesh, its passions. Those ambitions, kill them. Make me a vessel of honor in your house. By the way, you know that when people have vessels like that, like silver cups, they keep them in a showcase. They don't bring them out every time. Special occasions will they bring those things out. They are protected. They are guarded. But if you see reprobate silver is everywhere, nobody protects them. Nobody watches over them. It's time for us to enjoy the protection of God by submitting ourselves to the working of the Holy Spirit in shaping us and preparing us onto every good work. By the grace of God, if God wills, next week we shall be looking at the second layer, which is faith towards God. And may the Lord help us to pray through between now and then. And I trust God that we'll begin to see the fruit of the Spirit. I want to say this as we close, that the fruit of the Spirit is more crucial to God than the gift of the Spirit. You can be manifesting the gift of the Spirit. You can be walking the signs and wonders, but if the fruit is not in you, it's of no value because the people that the Lord Jesus Christ said to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, what they brought were the gifts the things they had done by reason of the gifts. But when a man has the fruit, that's the one that God keeps. That's the one that God wants to use. Sometimes you don't even need to do anything because the fruit is there. God is there. By the fruit oozing out of your life, other people's lives are changed and transformed. Well, brethren, until next week, please keep praying. God bless you.